Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. We were going to do an emergency podcast on Friday because so much shit happened with recruiting, but Josh didn't want Chris to uh, to lose his lose his mind. So don't you don't use me as your out clause. I am not your out clause. <laughs> so you would have done the podcast on Friday. No, no, I, I was ready. I was sitting here anticipating the moment, prepared, just throttled in. Were you ready to rip? Uh, speaking of that, Josh. <laughs> I think I tore my Achilles yesterday. No, you didn't. No, you I didn't. think I did. I, I really think I did. Playing what? Pickleball. I'm a champion, as you guys know. And I was playing with my buddy, and we were um, – I beat him like four games in a row, and we were having a drink, and I thought we were done. And he's like, all right, two more games. And I was like, all right, two more games. So I beat him in the one game, and then I'm up seven to five. We're only playing to 11. And – he hits a ball in and I go to, I go to run for it. And I, I felt and heard a pop and it was, we're playing up at these public fields and there's baseball fields and tennis courts. And I thought a foul ball hit my leg. Like my initial reaction was, Oh, a baseball just hit me in the back of the leg. Like I heard a, like a smack and I almost went to call timeout. Like I thought there was a ball on the court. <laughs> And then I realized real quickly, like within a split second that, oh shit, this is me. Like something, something happened. That was a pop. And um, (laughs) I just start, I hobbled off the court. I like, I couldn't put any pressure on my, on my leg. And I just grabbed my car keys and I just, I just limped to my car and that was it. I was just done. And um, it's 8am on, on Monday morning. I can't, call my doctor yet because i don't think they open till nine i gotta get an mri but i think my uh i think as we're potting my achilles is currently curled up like a fruit roll up in the top of my calf right now so let's go like the wicked witch's shoes when they go underneath the house (laughs) at first i thought you were being dramatic uh chris josh is prone to thinking that he's i am too uh both of us are prone. yes yes you you're prone to thinking that something's wrong with you all the time i am too i'm not saying i'm not you, you two are just, you're incredible guys. I'm the fat ass over here. <laughs> haven't been to a doctor in like a decade and I'm the healthiest one of the bunch. That's because it, you haven't been cool. to the doctor in a decade. They can't tell you that anything is wrong with you if you don't go. Exactly. <laughs> and I was trying to do the right thing. It's Sunday. I've been working a lot. I, you know, go hang out with a friend, go do some physical activity outside. Like I was trying to do the right thing, trying. And look where it got you. Exactly. I, I did think Josh was being dramatic, but after hearing that story and the the pop with the pain sensation, you you definitely tore your Achilles. You're out. You're out for a while. I hope I got a good friend who used to be a trainer. Shout out Jesse. Used to train at Florida State and went on to Oklahoma and some other programs. But 
Uh, he told me he he didn't look at it, but he told me maybe if I'm lucky, it's a calf strain, but it's probably an Achilles rupture of some sort. And I really can't. <clears throat> I was going to go to urgent care yesterday. He told me, don't bother. He said, you got to get an MRI. There's really nothing that you can do at urgent care. So I haven't had anybody look at it yet. And uh, I'm just ready to pod, ready to rip. <laughs> your Achilles is shredded all over your couch right now. Like Ropa Vieja. All right. So there's nothing going on in the recruiting world for us to talk about, right? We're good. This is the podcast. We're done. Uh, So much happened in the span of after nothing, right? It was just kind of trying to figure out what are we going to talk about? What are we going to write about? It's recruiting stale. There's no football happening for like the third weekend in a row. And then Friday happened and I feel like all hell broke loose, but kind of in a good way. There's stuff to talk about. And that, that's what we'll start off this podcast. It's going to be a recruiting centric, very recruiting heavy one. We'll talk a little hoops and, and football at the end, but focus on all the recruiting developments. We're going to start off with uh, the biggest news, something that we've been updating you guys on at Knowles 24-7 for a few days consecutively now. Mackenzie Milton, the UCF star quarterback, uh, one-time national champion, would have been two if he didn't have a catastrophic knee injury at the end of the 2018 season. Uh, he entered the transfer portal last week. And, well, Chris, I'll throw this to you. Uh, how soon were was FSU in contact with with the, uh, the quarterback who's turned into be a commodity for a few programs? Well, he had conversations with Kenny Dillingham immediately that day. I believe Mike Norvell also spoke to him on that first day, and they've had ongoing conversations since. All right. I think a good exercise here, Josh, is going to go down what we know definitively. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. kind of went over some of that, and then what we think, what we are kind of piecing together. So maybe okay. let's start off with what we do know. Okay. Can I go first? You want to go one off? Like, I'll go one thing I know, you go one thing you know? How self-medicated are you right now? <laughs> I know he's healthy. That's one thing that I know. I know that he's healthy. And you're envious of Mackenzie Mellon. <laughs> Josh is not answering a question. That's the best part of that moment, though. <laughs> Just kept it moving along. <laughs> no, right now, I, I think right now all I got in me is an 800 milligram ibuprofen. That's okay. it. All right. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, and some water. Your, I drink your some water intestinal will say otherwise. All right. So Mackenzie Melt is healthy. You did talk to UCF uh, connections there that said he was pretty much a badass on on the scout team all season, right? Yeah, not only physically, but mentally, just a real special leader. I know um, we've heard a lot of that, but speaking to somebody within the program, um, I could really tell that this this person was impacted by being around Mackenzie Milton and just wanted to let me know like what a strong leader he will be and that he is 100% ready to go. I will add to that, Josh. I talked to someone who worked with McKenzie and his nickname for, for you FSU fans who don't follow UCF avidly uh, is KZ. KZ is what UCF fans call him, KZ. So we'll call him KZ on this podcast. I will, especially if he ends up here. I was talking to someone who worked with KZ initially when he was at UCF as a freshman and sophomore and said the same things as you did, Josh, that he is an alpha, he is a leader, he is someone who elevates everyone around him with his personality along with his play. And I'll add one more to that. FSU staff knows all those things about him. They, uh, they admire him very much so from, from some information I was able to pick up there. FSU's been pretty quiet on, on this front, but that's one thing I could definitively say that FSU does have admiration and immense respect for McKenzie Milton. What else do we know? 
Is that it? Is that all we know definitively that we feel good about? They've talked. Uh, I mean, you mentioned that FSU's had contact with them. We know yeah. that has yeah. occurred. Well, FSU mm-hmm. isn't the only one. I mean, we we expect that what Arkansas, Miami, who else? Arkansas, Miami were two that I was told. I think Michigan State's been floated out there. Nebraska, Michigan State, obviously. Yeah, Bud but, told me Michigan State's a player. But he's I, wanted I to stay myself, but south, right? I, I'm trying to piece together what Mackenzie Milton has talked about, where what he wants. Like he's mentioned, he wants to play for a good offense behind a good offensive line. That seems like a strike against FSU currently. As King capable winning was another part of what I believe he mentioned in that radio show interview on, I think it was Friday. But the issue, as I see it, uh, the schools that are being mentioned with him currently that we know um, who fits that bill definitively, like Miami right now, uh, as what that kind of has shown the progress to compete at a fairly high level right now. So Yeah, definitely. I would say just them. I mean, <laughs> the other programs, Nebraska, uh, Florida State, Arkansas have all sort of gone through some upheaval in the last year or two. So there is, there's some fans, people on our message board who are writing off FSU simply because they don't check every single box for McKenzie Milton. The issue with McKenzie is he hasn't shown film and and played in two years. uh, And that's why you're able, if you're FSU to talk to a quarterback of that production level and that quarterback, because he has some, some things that FSU has to vet and has to weigh. He's not a perfect prospect. I think he's someone who would – do we all agree someone who would help FSU? Well, I think even if he doesn't touch the field, he helps FSU. I, I think he has the right kind of personality. I think he's the right age for that room. I don't think – FSU should take a quarterback regardless. I know this is a little bit later in the segment. They should take a quarterback in this class without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I think it's better for them to take one who has college experience, who's one at a high level, who is a proven leader, you know – KZ's not leaving a program because he's getting run out of it. He's leaving it because he fully understands that one of his best friends in life is a guy that is their quarterback going forward and he wants to play again. So like it makes entire sense why this young man's leaving a program, but I think he helps wherever he goes. Even if he doesn't play, he's going to help one experience in the room Two, I think he's a natural born leader and a kid who's got his head on his shoulders. Right. So I think, the fact that he's a little bit older and you would throw him in a quarterback room that has two guys who will still be freshmen next year and one guy with a little more experience than Jordan Travis more than likely, that it would be a nice addition in that sense. And I think he certainly can compete with that bunch without a shadow of a doubt, obviously. I know I'm on record as saying that I think FSU needs to take a graduate transfer type of quarterback, an older, more experienced one. Chris seems to be of that mindset. Josh, uh, do you think that's a necessity? Even if it's not McKenzie Milton, but someone in that realm, is that a, a must-have in this class for Mike Norvell? Mark me down for one as well. All right, um, we're all on board. I was very surprised last year when he came on the bench. Do I say on on the bench? Yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of a toughie. On OTB, mm-hmm. I think you could. When he came right. on the bench. Mark uh, Norvell, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, self-medicated I was Josh. surprised that he said that and kind of pinned himself down with that. There's no reason this program should – should ever um, just immediately decline help at that position with the way that the quarterback position has played out really over the last five years for Florida state. I think a graduate transfer quarterback, somebody with some experience, like Chris said, especially a, a leader like KZ would be more than welcomed in this locker room. And I think that would be an important piece to, to kind of move forward with, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think, I think it's very important. 
you always want four guys in that room who are scholarship mm-hmm. types. And I think some of the not taking a grad transfer last year was because you were bringing in two freshmen. So you bring in a super experienced guy with two other guys with experience at the college level and two freshmen, pretty crowded room. And you start getting some transfer concerns. Obviously they kind of pinned some hopes on James Blackman. He failed to live up to those hopes and here we are. So I think, you know, hindsight, 2020 vision of it that's kind of what played out last year I think it's important this year to kind of fill in that middle space and I think that's beyond the quarterback position I think that's very true on this roster of they need some guys who have potential of multiple years of playing here if they're transferring in but also bring collegiate experience into the fold because they're very void of that in the middle of their roster they have a lot a lot of young guys playing and some really veteran guys that I think they hope to get back but that middle group has very much thinned out in the last 12 to 24 months. I think that was the, that was the big, and we could say it was in hindsight, you know, being 2020 that Norvell probably would have been better served to more actively, more aggressively pursue a grad transfer quarterback type. That's assuming he could have gotten one that would have elevated the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that was maybe the biggest gripe I had with the off season was, as Josh said, FSU kind of publicly, eliminated that from being on the table i do think they explored some stuff back back options but or backroom options kind of but never really aggressively pursued it that'd be another thing hold on oh sorry go ahead i agree with you too i don't i agree that it was in hindsight like chris made a good point they did sign two high school quarterbacks so when he said it it wasn't like my jaw hit the floor it was more like okay well this will be interesting to see how it plays out like in the moment i could understand why he was saying what he was saying but also you know, knowing how how bad the quarterback play had been at this that um, at Florida State for so long, it was kind of like, okay, that's interesting. He doesn't think he needs a grad transfer quarterback. We'll see how this plays out for him. Well, we had we had the benefit of having watched James Blackman and understanding everything that comes with that dynamic. And he was mm-hmm. a new coach who was getting a feel for a kid who, you know, I think I can say for all three of us, we think pretty highly of James as an individual and that he tries to do things the right way and. He probably presents himself in a very positive manner, especially to a new coach. So I kind of get putting some chips in on him in the sense of I don't need to go replace him. Because if you're taking a grad transfer last year, you're replacing James Blackman. That That's what that message directly is. You're getting the room crowded, but you're replacing the guy who's the incumbent starter more than likely last year. And if well, if Mike does have a full spring, maybe he thinks a little bit differently as you kind of get into the off season, the, the meat of the off season. Uh, but obviously, he, he doesn't have that to really see with what they had with James and what the offense looked like with him. Although to be fair, like they did feel pretty confident about what they were seeing with James in the preseason. So I'm not, you know, James maybe just be a better practice player than a game player as we've seen uh, throughout his time here. That is something else that we do know, though. I will say that this is in the put it in the category of we know this definitively. FSU is open to taking a graduate transfer at quarterback this year. I'm not saying they definitively do take McKenzie Milton or someone else in that realm, but they're talking with him. They have multiple coaches on him, exploring him, vetting him. So we can fairly and confidently say, correct, that the FSU is at least open to the idea of upgrading that position with a more experienced quarterback. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What don't we know? What are the things, obviously where he's going, where Milton's going. All the programs what, what are, that are involved. Okay. So we think there may still be some other variables. Uh, mm, yeah, of course. I think there's probably, you know, different levels of interest too, right? There's probably some programs that have reached out just to find out like what he's looking for, what his status is, kind of how FSU does with everybody. So it would be interesting just to know um, 
what programs are have reached out and their level of interest. Exactly how how is he going to navigate this and what's probably going to be a fairly condensed timeline? Obviously, he mm-hmm. can't go and take a traditional visit to a school. It's not allowed right now, to, thanks to the NCA. So does he hop himself on a plane and go check out three or five places on his own? Does he live on Zoom with these guys and try to get a feel for staff? Does he lean on prior relationships maybe from recruiting? Those are kind of dynamics that are usually come into play in a recruitment, and it will be interesting to see how that plays out and what's probably going to all be done in less than basically a month's time. Do we think he's a take for Florida State right now? Like someone asked me, was he offered? I don't think it works that way necessarily uh, for the for McKenzie Mill. Like I don't think it's a hey, we've offered you a scholarship. Uh, I think there's ongoing conversations to vet. Do we think he's someone FSU would ultimately take right now? It's a good question. I right? think I think so. Yes, but I don't want to say that with like definitive right. certainty. So we'll put that in the um, we don't know category right now. We're still trying to figure out. We're not certain on that. We aren't. We're we all think they would, where. right? We all think they would, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, there's always a possibility in that market that new names entered. And there certainly is going to be some quarterbacks that enter it, both at the end of the season and then again back in the spring or down the road in the spring. But Mackenzie Milton, obviously catastrophic injury. But there's a lot about him that you know and that you're confident in. I think that matters a great deal in that market because there's so many talented guys that enter the transfer market, but there's a lot of them that are talented that come with some side dish of uncertainty or things that make you have pause. You know, the injury probably does with Milton, but beyond that, I don't think there's a lot that causes you to have pause with him. No, if he doesn't have the injury, then that's a, that's a surefire take. For Florida State, that's someone who uh, instantly upgrades the quarterback room. I know some people, like I saw one person on the message board ask if he's just kind of more of, of a glorified wildcat quarterback. No, 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 no. He's not an NFL size guy. He doesn't have an NFL arm, but he does push the ball downfield with extreme precision and accuracy. He reads and scans the field at an extremely high level and pre-injury, pretty athletic, uh, throws on the run well. I think he has about a 1,000 career rushing yards. So, and he's and he's produced in two different offensive schemes, similar ones. He's good. He, he's also competitive as all hell. Yes, which very much so. Is something you want. You want competition level to be just pegging at ten constantly, and a guy like that probably helps increase that to a degree. And I think FSU is keenly aware of, of that fact. I think that's why we're seeing signs of interest. Uh, so, what are we chasing this week with Milton? We're just going to keep kind of trying to figure out where FSU exactly stands with him and vice versa, right? And that's where we're at. Yeah, and timeline. How is this going to play out? When is it going to play out? You know, is he doing a 5-3-1 type of idea? Is he going to be a guy who kind of keeps it under his vest and unveils where it is when it's time to unveil it? Real quick, we're going to go to another quarterback that we're going to discuss here. I told you it's a busy recruiting episode. But first, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Market Square Liquors. They are in full uh, holiday festivity mode right now. I actually went there on Friday and picked up their uh, their Bell's, uh, what is it, the, the Scotch Ale, which was delicious. Uh, it's all these Christmas-themed beers that they have. They have like a Shiner Holiday Cheer from Texas. Uh, they have Sam Adams Winter Lager. They have St. Bernard Christmas Ale from Belgium. Sam Smith's Winter Welcome from England. But I went with the Bell's scotch ale it was delicious like a brown ale with uh just really smooth and, and caramelly and seven percent alcohol so warms you up pretty good uh they also have a champagne tasting on december 13th from one to three and four to six both those are p.m 
The cost is $5. They have a really great wine selection, champagne selection. So, so for your holiday needs, they are, uh, they're your place to go to here in North Tallahassee, located off of Timberlane Road. Okay, another quarterback, as promised. This was a another development that kind of happened late in the week. You lose one, and all of a sudden you're in on one. That's Jake Garcia, 2021 quarterback from out west initially, but he's been at two different schools in Georgia this year for some odd reasons. I don't know if we want to get into to that because anytime you're dealing with rush probes, I think things get, get interesting, but – uh, he's the number 46 quarterback nationally, or sorry, the number 46 prospect nationally, the number five pro style quarterback nationally. So ranked very highly in 2021. All the crystal balls are saying Miami, but Josh, what, what are we hearing? Mm, I'm here in Miami. Um, obviously, Florida State's involved. That's why we're talking about him. Um, going back to last week, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. I think we did, but Jake Garcia decommitted from USC and was immediately in contact with coach Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham at Florida state um, initial contact right after the decommitment. But I do believe that there has been some, at least some contact throughout the season. I don't think this was just like a cold call to Garcia right after he decommitted. Um, but that being said, he probably has his best relationship with Miami um, Miami offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley has really, focused in on Jake Garcia since about the month of March, um, made him his primary target at the position. Miami really hasn't recruited any other prep quarterbacks besides Jake Garcia. So his decommitment from USC definitely leads you to believe that my, that he could be headed to Miami, but FSU is involved. They're going to make a push here in the next, what, what do we got? Like eight days, nine days remaining until early signing day. So He's definitely a name to keep on the radar. And we do know if FSU, if he, if Jake Garcia wanted to go to FSU, FSU would take him. A couple of other notes. He visited FSU in April of 2019. He actually visited FSU in Miami in that same span. He took an additional visit to Miami later that year. I believe it was in June or July. I think it was June. Um, so he's been to Miami a few times and they've been constant with him. Also, Danny Hernandez is his main guy out West, his quarterback trainer guy he's very close with. Kenny Dillingham knows Danny really well. Danny's one of those guys that if you recruit quarterbacks out West, you're probably going to know Danny. But there's a good relationship there. And if I recall correctly, Danny was actually on a visit to FSU, and I presume that one to Miami in the month of April last year. So that's one of the guys he kind of leans on in his recruitment, Garcia does. But at the end of the day, I expect it to be Miami. Is it an either-or deal for – I don't know why people have painted this. Uh, I guess the answer is no. But for Garcia and Milton, like it it doesn't seem like it's – you can take both, right? Maybe for Miami it is. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, and but they also have Derek King in play too, right? Like, I think if he if he stays, then I don't think Milton is really in play for Miami at all. Right. Jake Garcia would still be in play because what's the difference between Derek King staying for one more year and Jake Garcia arriving as a freshman? But yeah, I think if Derek King leaves, then Miami could be in in the market for both of them. An either-or situation from an FSU standpoint, to me, makes it sound like they're picking, and they're not picking in this case. They're recruiting both. Like, they have work to do with both. Yeah, more so, yeah, some people I've, – I've seen this narrative that you don't want to recruit Milton because you may scare away Garcia or vice versa. That's not that's not what we're dealing with. Those are not the waters FSU swimming in right now, fellas. I don't know a whole lot about Garcia's game. Like, he's new on the radar for me. Like, I haven't really spent much time you know, watching him. He can push it down the field. All right. 
Are you worried about what, how many schools, a little like five schools in a couple of years? I know some people think there's like a Malik Henry vibe. It's not quite that extent well, though. The the Cali to Georgia thing was because Cali wasn't playing fall football and the two Georgia thing was because of, I believe the GHSAA and, you know, mm-hmm. essentially his parents divorced to allow him to go to a school that got kind of red flag. So he ended up at Grayson. So the, the three schools there all make sense. Prior to that transfers in California, I don't know the circumstances there. Okay, moving on to another position. We're going to keep an eye on that throughout the week here coming up. Uh, let's see. Patrick Payton, defensive end, pass rusher type, decommits from Nebraska, and very soon there afterwards, uh, Florida State emerges as a, as the front runner. Chris, do you want to kind of break that down for our listeners? Yeah, he hasn't been here on a visit, but he has been recruited by FSU for a real long time. Telly Lockett started that relationship back when Willie's staff was here, and then it's continued with the recent staff. He has a good relationship with the recent staff. Long-time Nebraska commitment, finally backs off it. You know, FSU's kind of the one school that everybody knew was in it. Miami could get in it, but they're also kind of pressing against numbers. I think Miami's sort of a wait and see with him. If they go all in, I think it will be a difficult task because I think he would like to stay closer to home at this point. Plus, Miami's obviously had some great recent success with defensive ends, with a guy like Rousseau, and then, uh, you know, the two that they have this year that have been productive for him, who are transfers in. So I think they would be appealing. But as of right now, as things stand, because Miami is pressing against numbers and FSU is more active with him, FSU is sitting in a spot where they're probably considered the favorite. Steve Wiltfong, national recruiting analyst for us, put in his crystal ball, had a lower confidence. I think it was a three on that. But that's because of the Miami circumstance. That's why he leaned on three, because it's not a slam dunk that Peyton's going to end up in Tallahassee. But right now, things are looking in that direction with him. And he'd be an excellent get. He's a kid that could play outside backer. I think he's more of a defensive end long-term, certainly, as that body fills out. He'd be a major upgrade for FSU in that department with this recruiting class with regards to having like a speed rush end type of body. Yeah, and just to clarify, Patrick Payton didn't visit FSU under this coaching staff, but he did visit in June of 2019. I I think he, he camped. Um, with the old staff. So he has been to campus once and I agree with Chris. Uh, I think I might actually put my crystal ball pick in if I haven't already for Florida state, because I do think Miami's uh, full. I know Phillips might end up going pro and that could change some things, but talking to Andrew Ivins, he just doesn't, he'd be surprised if they, they offered Peyton this cycle. Ivins put in the crystal ball too, to Florida state, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Mm, yeah, he did. He did. He, he got it. Which is big because obviously his ties to Miami. I'm going to put it in right now on the show. Okay. One other thing with uh, Peyton is that he looks up to Brian Burns to some degree, and the game is somewhat similar. I don't want to compare somebody to Brian Burns since he's probably going to be in the Pro Bowl and he's competing for, you know, defensive player of the year type of honors. But speed rush and long, lanky, frame to fill out, Mm -hmm. a lot of athleticism just kind of a disruptor in an excellent fashion. And he's a guy who's had a really, really good senior year. He's risen in the rankings for a reason because his play's gotten better. And I think his best play is still far ahead of him. And he had 17 and a half sacks as a junior, 17 and a half. I'm not sure what his numbers are this year. I think he transferred, uh, but yeah, he's, he's a badass and he fits the need for Florida state. So that's a really pleasant development trending in the right way for, for FSU. Hey, hey, Josh, the last time you put a crystal ball, in live on our uh, on our podcast was Kayvon Thibodeau. So hopefully this one no. works out a little bit better. Yep. That was the last time you dropped it while we were while we were potting. No, I've done more since then. You've talked about your crystal ball, but only you've just decided, hey, I'm gonna do one right now really? while we're talking. Okay. I mean, I could be wrong. 
I'll have to go review the tape. I'll yeah, the burden, some the, shows this the burden of proof is on you, sir, making the claim that I'm incorrect. The burden of proof is on you. Uh, Josh, real quick, Estrada. You got some Estrada tea, some Drew Estrada tea for us. Yeah, not much because he doesn't say anything. Um, I actually <laughs> reached out this morning to find out when he could be making a decision. Still haven't heard back. Um, but I spoke to a source that was close to his uh, recruitment and was told that it's really a two-team race at this point, uh, TCU and FSU. It seems like that would bode well for Florida State unless you know that Drew Estrada is actually from Texas. Um, so how much weight does he put in um, playing closer to home? I don't know because he doesn't talk. But we do know Drew Estrada will be making a decision here in the next um, – well, he said he was going to do it in the next two weeks about a week ago. So hopefully in the next seven to ten days we get a final – a final decision from wide receiver Drew Estrada, who is from Dartmouth, and will have one year of eligibility remaining once he uh, picks a new school. A scrappy gym rat, if there ever was one. Uh, let's go through the early enrollees. Chris, you've been doing Christopher Knee things and checking boxes and uh, making calls and text and getting this all nice and organized for us. One, it's appreciated. Two, uh, share, share your gift with the world, please. Well, the early signing period starts next Wednesday. It runs Wednesday to Friday, and that's for high school prospects. JUCOs can start signing on Wednesday, and their stretch actually goes until, I believe, January when they could enroll if they're a mid-year enrollee. So obviously getting the ducks in order, getting the ducks in a row. Uh, real quick, I'll just run down the commitment list. These guys are early signees, and some are also early enrollees. I'll clarify if they're an enrollee. Early signees, Hunter Washington, Malik McLean, who is also an early enrollee. We are not positive on Sean Bray Jackson. Last time I spoke to him in late November about this subject, he said at that time he did not intend to sign early or enroll early. But Hunter Washington also lived in that boat and has now moved into the I'm signing early, so it can change. Amirian Cooper at this point intends to sign in February, enroll in the summer. Rod Orr put out there on, I believe it was Saturday morning, he is signing early. Byron Turner, we expect to sign early. We are not sure on enrolling early. That's something that we're checking on. Kimo McAnally, at this point, we don't expect him to sign early. LSU, some other SEC schools are involved there. He's kind of taking his time. Plus, Niceville, where he goes, is deep in the playoffs, playing again this coming week. So that's kind of put recruiting on the back burner for him. Josh Burrell, talented wide receiver, early signing and early enrollee. Bryson Estes, early signing, early enrollee. Kevin Knowles, uh, Andrew Ivins put out the article this past week that not only does he intend to sign early, but he also intends to enroll early. Jackson West, tight end, has previously told me he's signing and enrolling early. Joshua Farmer, same with him, signing and enrolling early. Jordan Eubanks recently told me he will sign early, but he does not expect to enroll early. Shaheen Brown, at the time of his commitment, told us he will sign early but won't enroll early. And then Kobe Gross has always told us intention is to sign in December, enroll in the summer. That's as far as the commitments. I think we're going to talk about some of the other recruits, but I don't want to get ahead of myself because Sinon loves to yell at me for that. No, no. Uh, you mentioned Hunter Washington. I caught up with him real quick last night. Going to do like a quick Q&A kind of deal, but on his decision to kind of expedite things and, and decide to sign early. Uh, and this will kind of lead us to speculate recklessly, which, which I think is going to be fun. He said, I decided to sign early after having a long talk with my dad, who is the backbone in this recruiting. I will not enroll early. After football season, I will be continuing training with Coach Cromartie. That's Antonio Cromartie. So he can have me ready when uh, when I go, and also I will not give names 
but I had a big name recruit hit me up and asked if I was signing early and I told him, yeah. So he said that he would like to join me and help turn this program around. <laughs> when you told me that, when you sent that, my first thought was he's talking about another commitment that now is going to sign early. So I love Sean Bray. That's the first name that popped in my head. But then as we, you know, dive deeper into trying to dissect like four words, mm-hmm. we thought maybe it's a recruit. If it's a recruit, I think all three of us think it's Destin Hill. And should That's I get what I think it is. What if about, it's a recruit? What about here? Feel, hear me out here. We're going to get into it. Hunter Washington follows Lee Hunter on Twitter. And Lee Hunter last night kind of got into his feelings on the Twitter a little bit, saying, you know, maybe my recruitment's open a little bit. I, I never trust those like last week. If you don't truly part with the commitment, I never kind of trust it. I, I always think it's a little bit of a, for lack of a better term, an attention grab. He's pontificating on Twitter at midnight. It's legitimate, Chris. It, don't take midnight, this away from it was 3.22 a.m. Jesus, You think, you think he was you know up later, up early? 3.22 a.m.? Sleeping. Pooping. I think he's awake, not asleep. You were doing your midnight poop at that point. And um, more importantly, he didn't decommit, like Chris said. Um, he just put it out there. So I reached out to uh, somebody familiar with his recruitment this morning. And, yeah, there is some optimism that a flip could be coming, but – there's also some concern, not, I wouldn't say concern, but they're just aware that he could be seeking attention and very well signed with Auburn in like eight days. So it's definitely one to watch. Um, Lee Hunter is, would be, you know, very important to either commitment list, whether Auburn or Florida state, big defensive tackle, a uh, very good player, somebody that Odell has had a great relationship with for a while. So, Hey, let's see what Odell does down, down the stretch these last eight days. Come on, Odell, bring the BDE. Let's go, buddy. Let's do it. <laughs> the reason we think it might be Destin Hill is, uh, I guess it was Saturday when I was chasing the Hunter Washington stuff, or not chasing it, but getting it from Hunter that he was signing early. I I decided, why not? I'll hit up Destin Hill. It's, it's that's worked, almost that's, that's worked so well for you in the past. I could go an entire <laughs> recruitment without him ever responding to a text. I just <laughs> want to see. So he actually responded, which I had a moment of wondering, is somebody screaming <laughs> But I asked him, are you signing early? He said, yes. So I checked with a source within FSU if they expect him to sign early. And in fact, they do. And I followed up with that person. And they told me they also feel confident about FSU's chances still. This is a recruitment that we, for all intents and purposes, thought basically was over in the spring. We thought it was FSU. He took that uh, during the break visit, too, which only reinforced that idea. But then there's been this whole barren waste. Chris, you put in a 10 on your crystal ball, right? Wasn't it a 9 or a 10? I put in a 10. I've backed off to 10. I think I'm sitting on six right now. And that's just, that's because of the timeline. The fact you're that sitting, it's you're, so long. you're sitting on six. I'm sitting on six. Yes. Great phrasing. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, we feel good about Hill is what the end of that story is that just, you know, FSU is still in a good spot with him. And the expectation is that he does sign early and also likely enroll early, which would be a huge bump to the offensive class for FSU. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to go over some of the other names that we're looking at here. Oh, Josh, I know you wanted to, to delve into the chemo McAnoli. I know Chris mentioned that briefly. Uh, real yeah. quick, kind of what's the timeline with that? Well, chemo did not visit LSU over the weekend. Um, I think that was just something that was generated on the Knowles 24-7 board because I reached out to Shay Dixon and he was like, he had no idea what I was talking about, about uh, chemo <laughs> coming or being expected to be at LSU or anything. But he also, Niceville is also still in the playoffs and played Friday night. So there was no way he was going to scoot over to LSU. And um, anyway, long story short, 
I don't believe right now they are going all in on chemo. Um, talking about LSU. I don't believe LSU is all in on chemo. I don't think FSU is overly concerned about his recruitment. They would like to get him locked in um, and sign early, but as of right now, he's not planning to. That could change today. I'm told that Mike Norvell is expected to have his um, virtual visit or Zoom call or some, you know, something virtual home today. Visit. And we very often know that down the stretch, these could be conversations that lead to a, you know, a change in stance, like a player that was once going to commit or sign in February, now all of a sudden decides early December. So before we, we know where chemo is going to decide, I think tonight's phone call is going to be very important. One other thing to add on chemo, the family does like the fact that FSU is fairly close to Niceville home. Uh, Niceville obviously has some ties to this program. A guy like Deontay Sheffield has been here in recent years. There are people in FSU's corner at Niceville. Now there's also other people in his ear who are telling him about the SEC and such. So that's kind of a mixed dynamic. Um, I think Kimo is a guy that if he waits, he could wait himself into some better options mm -hmm. per se, but I think he could also wait himself out of the best option currently. Like it, it, That's one of those where you got to tread lightly. You got to be careful because – it's going to depend on supply and demand. If there's certain guards that are better ahead of you, you're going to wait yourself for LSU and you're going to end up at a Mississippi State and take that as you will. Yeah, right now I don't think he has – I don't think he has a plethora of options right now that he could legitimately flip right. to. So I wouldn't be surprised if something shakes out and he signs early, but um, he's going to be a summer enrollee either way. Would be big for them to go ahead and, and – get that out of the way, get him signed. Uh, yeah. FSU's done a nice job, but like Rod Orr was such a big development to say, okay, I'm going to sign early. You know how we say some coaches are really good in the living room? Is Mike Norvell going to be really good on the Zoom call? Is that what we think is developing here? We got him on a Zoom call in like two hours. Oh God, another one. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick commercial break. On the other end, we're going to go over uh, hoops. Hoops win for Chris and uh, and football is back. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to On the Bench, finishing up this episode. A few hours ahead of another Mike Novell Zoom call. Uh, poor guy, he's on like his 500th Zoom call with us in the last year, and I'm sure he, he's loving it. Oh, this is a year anniversary for Mike Novell since he was uh, hired here. Happy anniversary, coach. Not a lot has happened since. I think uh, it's about the three-year anniversary for Willie Taggart's hire. In Zoom years, it's like five years. <laughs> Chris, hoops. 
Hoop, there it is. One and oh, baby. No, One and no. Yep, and it was a good start. I mean, it's very funny with a first game how overanalyzed it gets because it is the first one. But they were good. They beat up on North Florida, not a very good team, but a capable three-point shooting team. They went 86-58. They kind of stretched that out by about 10 points in the final minute there. It was consistently a 15 to 20 point game in the second half. Scotty Barnes makes his debut. He's a little uh I think there was a bit of an adrenaline dump for him early on. He he struggled to finish some things early, but he showed flashes, put together a pretty consistent stat line, grabbed several boards, dished several assists, got eight points on the evening. Uh, you know, I thought Turk, Raekwon Gray looked much healthier, much more in shape, and it definitely paid off. I thought Balsa Copper Visa looked very good on the evening, had a real good night around the rim. He's a guy I'm going to write about this week because, you know, I think he's a big piece of the puzzle. He got his first career start in that game. Anthony Polite got a start, kind of expected that. He's kind of a steady Eddie type guy. MJ Walker let the game come to him, looked really good. I thought all in all, you saw a team that has a lot of really good pieces. I thought Dark Calhoun's another exciting newcomer. Tenor Nogome was good around the rack. Quincy Ballard had one really nice uh, shot block attempt. I, I think he shows that he can be a rim protector. So you see a nice mix of bigs. You see some, some really athletic like wing types. And then you got enough ball handling capability. Barnes is a unique ball handler, also a unique defender for a freshman. I think that's going to be real fun to watch as it develops throughout the year and he gets more comfortable in the system. I think one thing, and I brought this up in the Hoops podcast, watching early season hoops, you can tell that the lack of preseason games, exhibitions, and just a normal team-oriented preseason, it's hurting some teams. Chemistry is not there. You see Kentucky get rolled by Georgia Tech yesterday, for example. I think with FSU, they're going to have some growing pains. Indiana is going to be a tough challenge here on Wednesday just because they have a lot more games under their belt and they're a little more veteran unit. But FSU is going to be really good when the time comes. When it's later in the season, I think they have a lot of pieces to challenge anybody and everybody in the league. And uh, from a scheduling standpoint, Indiana on Wednesday, that's the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I think it's a 9-15 tip, if I remember correctly. That Gardner-Webb game that was supposed to be the season opener is now December 21st, rescheduled. Gardner-Webb had some COVID issues, which is what postponed it. And Florida here on Saturday will be an 11 a.m. tip. And somebody asks, is that too early to start drinking? The answer is no. But if you're doing that, then you probably need to consult with people like Sunil. Whoa. I thought you were going to set up a Market Square Liquors shout-out, and instead you sideswipe me, son of a bitch. Um, Duke. Let's go to football real quick. Duke is coming up this week. It'll be FSU's first game in a month. Chris, what time is the game at? 4 p.m. announced? 4 p.m. on the ACC Network. Oh, man, beautiful. What beautiful. time will it be canceled? Well, so <laughs> there is so, me to hell. <laughs> so there is that dynamic to kind of weigh. Here. I'm being uh, serious. Do you uh, do you guys think this game gets played? Let me drop yes. a little T. Yes, let me I drop. Do. I do too. Uh, let me drop a little T real quick. FSU is expected to get a handful of players back. It was either yesterday or today. I have to double check or check back on that now. But there were some guys who were in quarantine from contact tracing because that that was impacted so profoundly with the special teams positive. Uh, a staffer and a, and a player got it. And you talk about special teams, how many guys are involved in, you know, in that, those types of uh, meetings and, and uh, just contact tracing on special teams is a big deal. So that was profound at what it took out. I think they're gonna get some back. I know Bud had shared yesterday on the message board that maybe uh, some guys weren't coming back. So, you know, there were upwards of a dozen or so that, that were in quarantine from this. So getting some back allows you to have better numbers 
uh, which is obviously good news because you need a full week to practice, get in shape, and, and have a chance. So I think they'll play Josh. A couple other things to add there. FSU, from a football coaching staff, when Duke was originally on the schedule for the fifth, they were talking about doing some two-way player stuff. So it's clear they want to play a game in the sense of we're going to do what we have to do to play. No, Dabo says they're ducking everyone. Nope. And the university also obviously does not want to have a canceled home game. Certainly doesn't want to have a day of cancellation, which the ACC is trying to fix with the Thursday rule um, of changing the Friday rule to the Thursday rule which they did here when they rescheduled these games for the 12th and the 19th. And uh, FSU also obviously wants some revenue and wants the ability to satisfy one of two ticket packages wholly, if not both for some people. So it kind of takes care of a lot of headaches from an FSU side of dealing with things financially and uh, just with the dynamics of ticket packages. You don't want to have to go back and refund money or deal with people or deal with angry people. There's already people angry that traveled for a game or two that didn't happen. So you're trying to smooth things over and finish on a strong note. One other note, FSU opens as a three point favorite. Wow. Over I, think, I can't remember for sure, but when it was originally on the books for at Duke on the fifth, I think FSU was a three point dog there, but that's also an expected shorthanded FSU roster with, the expectation of some guys being out. I believe, I presume, knowing how Vegas works, that they were a little ahead on that compared to the ACC. The, well, I think you chalk it up to the the rowdy crowd that's expected at Dope. These people haven't seen football in person in a while. They're angry. Some people are driving. They're going to be white-knuckling on the steering wheel on the third time they've been driving to Tallahassee in the last month. Um, they're going to let out all that frustration against Duke. Yeah, Duke's, Duke's also been awful. They're 2-8, and 1-8 and eight in the league. Over their last three games, they're allowing 53.3 points per game while only scoring 19 points per game. They're one of the worst teams in the country in turnover margin. Um, they can do some things well. I put up the 247 on them today here this morning. You know, they can pressure the passer and get in the backfield some and create some havoc there. But oh, good. they also allow a lot of sacks and stuff like that. Nobody offensively is particularly dynamic for them. Uh, Chase Bryce Clemson transfers their quarterback, but he's only hitting about 55% of passes right now, throwing a lot of picks. Defensively, uh, Chris Rump, the second, the son of the former, or is, is Rump daddy still at UF? Where, where Miami. Is, no, Miami. At, Mike, Mike Rump. No, 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 no. no, no, no Chris, Rump. Rump. Chris Rump. No, oh. he was at Tennessee. Then he was, no, he's not at UF. He was his, at Tennessee after UF. His son's the best defensive player for Blue Devils. Leads him in sacks and tackles for loss. Him and a fellow defensive end are the two guys that you kind of got to be concerned about in the front seven. This was fun. This was a good podcast. I enjoyed it. Do we want to end it? Yep. Bye, guys. All right. For Chris Knee, Josh New. Oh, he hung up. All right, Josh. I'm going to go get up? an MRI. All right. Good luck. I'm going to be scooting around on one of those – um scooters soon that's what you do on scooters that's what i thought you when when you told me that you weren't uh, walking around the house that's how I, I envisioned you was scooting around i was talking to a coach last night and i told him what happened and i was like yeah i'm hoping it's a calf strain and he just he started howling and he started laughing i'm like what he goes you heard a pop he goes that's how it goes he goes listen he goes you're about to get a scooter you're knee around on this scooter for a while he goes he goes but let me tell you you're also going to get a little pudgy he goes, I know you're going to try to do those ab workouts for your girl, but listen, you're not going to be moving. You're not going to be doing any cardio for about a year. He goes, you're done. <laughs> so- oh my God. All right. Well, that's a good note to end the podcast on. Josh Newberg is done. He's washed. You hear that? Here on, on the bench, Josh Newberg washed. 
Hot Mike Billy's Lost My Girlfriend 2020 comes to a horrific end. Gun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 